Howdy folks, Andrew Bray here, your sound designer and the son of your favorite podcast host, Barbara Bray, and we've got a great podcast here. I'm really excited for you folks to listen to the conversation. So, hi mom, how are you doing? I'm doing great. This is, I always love when we can just talk with each other right before yeah, me too. <laughs> my me podcast, too. it's so cool. <laughs> Well, it's fun because uh, what the audience doesn't hear is how much, how how much time you get you and I get to talk about what's going on in the world of teaching and how people are are coping and being innovative, and also you know, it's nice I get to talk with my mom. So so this is the this is a great always been a great excuse to to stay connected to. <laughs> you make me happy just your voice. You sound so happy, <laughs> especially and and. I'm really excited about this podcast. This, that's this right. One. That's right. Tell tell us a little bit about uh, Liv and Cynthia. Well, Liv is the Liv Bits. She's 12 years old. And when she was talking to me before, I, she mentioned Cynthia, and they don't have the same last name, so I didn't know that she was her mother. And <laughs> And when we were talking with each other, they were in the same house but in different rooms. And oh, it was yeah. it was so cute because she was in her bedroom and she's just like my granddaughter Callie is the same age and mm-hmm. when I was mentioning her bedroom she's like I said look how neat it is she goes oh yeah I always clean my my room and her mom goes oh really <laughs> like oh, really? <laughs> I love that you get like the side of the young professional and then of course the real side I think that's the funnest the most fun part about Zoom conversations. <laughs> Well, the cool, yeah, the coolest thing is that Cynthia is amazing. I mean, mm-hmm. she, I didn't know about her and her life. And then live what she's been doing, keynotes at her age and all these wonderful, I can't wait for people to listen to this podcast because both of them are unique, as, you know, as persons themselves, but as Together they're just dynamo. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Okay, all right. Enough enough chit chat from us then. It sounds like we have to get we have to let you guys take a listen to the conversation with Barbara Bray and Liv and Cynthia. This is gonna be really fun. <laughs> I have Yes it is. <laughs> I have the most amazing people here today. I can't believe it. I have Cynthia Merrill and her daughter, Olivia Venn. Wait a minute, I gotta say, should I say, Leggy? <laughs> I did job. it right. Yay! Uh, you passed the first test, Barbara. <laughs> oh, the first test. <laughs> oh, this is so cool. I needed this today, I can tell you. <laughs> so, us too. Oh, this is so wonderful. Hey, I'm gonna just tell a little bit about you to my audience, okay? Live. That's what we call you, right? Yes. yes. <laughs> She's a reader, a thinker, and a kid's voice believer. Oh, I love that. That's like my favorite thing. A reader, thinker, and kid voice believer. It even rhymes. It rhymes. You got to say that. That is like a, it's a rhyme and, and you can put it up underneath your, that's who you are. Ah, that's perfect. Forever. Grab her. Okay. <laughs> Liv uses technology to inspire empathy, equity, and activism. I mean, come sure on, does. kiddo. We're <laughs> going to talk about that. Now, Cynthia, Cynthia Merrill. I do not have a rhymer. 
Oh, mom, you know, what are we going to do? We'll have to figure this one out. Maybe we can work it out. I put down a consultant, speaker, and author. That doesn't rhyme, but we'll figure it out. And then she's dedicated to strengthening literacy and tech experiences for all students. Yes. That's amazing. So we have to learn a little bit about both of you. You, as a mother-daughter team... I want to cry. Like girl power. Very girl power. (laughs) You're not only working together, you co-authored this amazing book. And I'm going to read the whole thing. It's Spark Change, Make Your Mark on the Digital World. (gasps) I can't wait to learn more about that. What's the podcast version of fireworks? Because that should happen right now, right? (laughs) We just did it. We need a really nice sound effect. Yay. (laughs) Zoom should have that option. We can do that. I'll just tell Andrew what that is. <laughs> I love it. Andrew, we need we, we need, need the sparks to have like <laughs> Okay, so let's tell a little it. bit more about you guys because I, you know, I didn't even know where you lived until I talked to you a little bit before. So <laughs> just give us a little background um about you two. Oh, I, I think it's incredible. You really did cover a lot in just that like tiny little introduction, but I make videos for kids and teachers called Live Bits, where I talk about reading, thinking, and life. I'm not only a book lover, I'm also a shark lover, because some people don't really know that about me, but that is definitely one of my biggest passions and obsessions, is Uh, sharks. Okay. I'm sorry. (laughs) You're like, stop right there. Hold up. So my daughter, who's my, you know, she's got her own daughter now, she loved... Uh, marine animals. She was into whales. And I thought, you know, that's pretty cool. Now, sharks. And you don't hear said, that a lot. No. And and I, at one point you said ichthyologist. You wanted to be in, isn't that the study of sharks? It's Ich-ch- actually not the study of sharks. It's the study of fish, but sharks are fish. So it's a little bit more vague than just studying sharks, but I would definitely focus in on sharks if I was an ichthyologist. Okay. How come? Just just tell me. I mean, I'm just curious. Why sharks? I want to study sharks when I grow up because I believe that sharks are amazing creatures, but they are misunderstood. And a lot of people just like kind of think they base their ideas on sharks on movies. Oh my gosh, I'm thinking back to my vocabulary rap. Whoa. <laughs> so people really don't know that much about them and they really make a lot of assumptions. And I want to teach the world that sharks are pretty incredible creatures. And Probably one of the most simple facts, but like the one that I think means the most to some people is we are not on their menu whatsoever. We're like the broccoli of sharks. <laughs> we don't taste that good, right? <laughs> you don't like broccoli? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, no, I'm not a big vegetable person, but I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> well, you know, I think some surfers, my daughter was a surfer. So there's one... <laughs> And then she the West Coast, you know. I yeah, want to surf. I love surfing. Oh, I can actually Lord. surf. She used to own a women's surf shop. I'm not wow. kidding. At one time, I'm not kidding. Yeah. <laughs> so in she Santa used Cruz. to. She, she still doesn't? she doesn't anymore. She's oh. up in the mountains now. But don't worry about it. <laughs> there are people out there that are a little concerned because when you're on a surfboard, you look like you look like a seal. You look like food. Yeah, you're like. <laughs> <laughs> So last summer, that was Liv's endeavor. She learned how to how to surf. So we live on the coast in New Hampshire, and she went surfing for the first time and learned. So now there's a whole new appreciation, too, of, like, what you look like when you're in the water. <laughs> exactly. I mean, if a shark right. looks up, you look like a seal. I'm, 
Yeah. I mean, you do. So it's it's sort of like being meta when you're, you know, you're being your metacognition when you're out there on the surfboard. You're always thinking about like every all your, little thing, all your actions. Yeah, the moving of your feet, <laughs> the moving of your arms, how you're going to stand up. There's so many little itty bitty pieces of thinking. I love that. I've never yeah. I know. That. I couldn't do it. They tried. I just, bleh. I just, you know, my daughter just push up. You can do it. <laughs> yeah. It actually takes a ton of muscle. Well, that's I don't surfing is not a joke. No, oh, and I don't have not. any muscle, so what could I say? <laughs> Oh, we're getting off on some weird things. Well, Cynthia, tell me about you a little bit and then we'll... Yeah. So, I mean, my biggest claim to fame, Barbara, let's face it, is that I'm Liv's mom. Um, And I also have two other children. Liv is my middle child, which always is sort of like shocks people when I say that. I don't know if they just assume because of birth order that she should should be the first. I'm not sure. But I have a son who's 14 and then I have a um, a younger daughter who's eight and Liv is my middle. And I've been working with students for a long time, both in higher ed and then also out in the field with teachers. I'm the teacher. I always say I'm a teacher of teachers. So um, Liv's endeavor into this a project that's called Live Bits, and she'll talk about that more specifically, really just began from watching me work with my students and being a really eager beaver and just wanting to make her own videos and make her own mark. So it's really exciting to see how one kid's little passion around technology and most specifically around books, right? Because that's what her work is all about, is about um, sharing book love and incidentally then sharing shark love because if she's sharing a shark book, right? Like you can definitely see the patterns and the things that she loves in her reading. She just really started this little project off when she was eight years old and who would have known that it would have brought so many incredible opportunities. So it's it's an amazing story. Well, I was just looking over the website and I was looking at your Twitter account and I was looking at who all the people you know and had selfies <laughs> with. I was like, Oh my God, I know all these. I, Peter and Paul Reynolds are good friends of mine. Yeah. <laughs> are they? I love them. And yeah, they, they're, you know, Blue Bunny shop and everything. And just knowing them, but also all the other authors, that's, wait a minute, you're 11? I'm 12. Oh, you're 12. <laughs> that's the same age as my granddaughter. Oh my gosh! We kind of like we're like connect. distant sisters from other sides of the country. She's over here. Oh. I'm <laughs> amazed. I'm amazed. But that means you've only been doing this for not like four years. Four years. Not even probably. And and there are most people don't get connected like this. Most adults don't get connected like this. This is so your passion. This is uh, well. I'm just gonna say I wrote a book called Define Your Why, and it's all about the passion and the purpose in your life. Most people don't find that until they're older. I think what's so neat about Liv's story is is maybe, you know, this, and you're, and you're such an expert in this, Barbara, too, this idea of defining your why and finding your passion, is I think that oftentimes as adults, we, we encourage kids' passion and we encourage it through play, which is so important and powerful. But kids can do amazing things when they are connected to other people who help them grow too. And I want to say I'm only a tiny little piece of Liv's success. It's really people like Peter and Paul, who Peter was Liv's very first author that she did that she made a Liv bit with. And he really was a catalyst. He was a spark 
that actually helped grow her work. And so if you notice the nod in the title of our book about making your mark, that really is a nod to Peter. So it's very special that you're connected to him because he I, I he always talks about the connecting of the dots and how dots can like, you know, we, we realize how many dots actually um, are in our same constellation, right? And so it's really powerful for us to to meet you and then to know that you know him and then for you to know that he really was the first person to just like pick up that spark and blow it into the universe for live. Um, if it weren't for him, I'm not sure, you know, some of the ways that live bits would have grown. And it really only takes one person like that to help a child's passion become larger than just a family endeavor or a play, you know, a, an active play. It really only takes one person to say you're special and what you believe in is special. And mm. Peter was that person. <gasps> oh, Liv. I don't usually cry, but I'm <laughs> oh, we also haven't seen him, right? Like in the time of COVID, we miss him so much. We go to the bookshop a lot. So because it's been, you know, this time of COVID, it's been really hard to not see all the people that we love. It is tough. You know, Liv, I, I, in fact, I'm, since we mentioned that, Cynthia, um, Liv, you know, you're such a people person. And <laughs> how are you handling this during this time? Well, I think that in this time where we all all apart, it's still important for us to still stay connected with each other. And I would like to consider myself a very big hugger. And it, it is really hard for me. The huggers of the world right now, it's very hard for us. But I think that when we think about it in the aspect of keeping other people safe and thinking I'm keeping my grandma safe, I'm keeping my mom and dad safe by staying home and by doing digital learning and by doing all these things digital. And if we really think about it, the book spark changed and all before any of this, like my mom was talking about like learning online. I was talking about it. And then all of a sudden it takes a pandemic and everyone's like, Oh my gosh, we need to learn how to, how to do this online. And we're like, we've been talking about this for quite a long time. So we can teach you. And I think that when it has, it has been very hard not to go to like those places that you go so often and then to just kind of not really be there in a while. But I really do think that this was also a very valuable experience because I really did bring in so many other perspectives as my, of my thinking. And even though I did have already experience with learning online from being gone for live bits and kind of doing something similar to what we're doing now, just maybe without the zoom aspect as much that do this, it was kind of like a whole other world. I thought it would be similar, but it's actually different in a good way. I feel like I'm actually communicating with my teachers and my classmates and with other people around the world more than I am because I'm able to use platforms like Zoom and get to see you in real time. Like we're talking together just through a screen. Well, the cool thing, I don't think people know this, is that you're in your bedroom and Cynthia's in another room. <laughs> So you're I'm not even together. You're together, but you're not together. And yeah, we're in the same house, but we're in separate parts. <laughs> yeah, but it's beautiful. You know, yeah. actually, uh, Liv, you're, it's amazing what you just said. There, a lot of people have been trying to articulate how this time has actually changed how they connect. You just said that beautifully. Didn't she, Cynthia? Wasn't that great? She always, I, I think the way that Liv makes sense of things always humbles me. Um, you know, initially when we went into this like emergency mode and we were sort of emergency teaching and right, because that's really what I call it. It's like this emergency time. We were like triaging everything. 
Um, you know, Liv and I were pretty chill on lots of levels. The thing that was so different for us is that our entire family was in the same space, right? And we were all figuring it out together and negotiating it together. And that was different than what we talk about in Spark Change. But I think Liv is right. This is such an incredible opportunity for us to reflect about the power of pieces of tech that we never imagined would become so useful in connecting like our hearts, right? That um, it's not just for learning and the platforms here that are for learning. It's also just about, you know, that now all of a sudden families are having family game night or, you know, um, or parents are branching out onto platforms that maybe they've never been on before. And they're considering them as powerful platforms for communication for their kids. And that's really our message in Spark Change is that we want we want teachers and families and kids to do this work together. It's really rooted in guided practice, which is my background as a literacy person. You know, we don't just give devices to kids and say, have at it because they reach a certain age. Instead, we experience it with them. It makes the experience richer. And it does make kids, I think it helps kids articulate in a much stronger way because they're much more meta. So when you're saying, oh, isn't that beautiful, Cynthia? Liv says things sometimes and I'm like, gosh, how does she get so meta? I learn from listening to her, right? Um, but you have to be, you do have to be listening. I think that's the key. And in fact, let me just interject real quick. The one thing that's, I'm on Twitter a lot. Uh, I, you know, I'm one of these you know, weird Twitter yeah. and, you know, all these places. <laughs> oh, yeah. But one of the things that they're talking about are the relationships and how you build those. And what people are finding is that because Zoom and Google Meet and some of the other tools, they're not always perfect. There are visual cues. And what we are finding is that sometimes if the it's out of sync, your words are out of sync, <laughs> you know, um, what happens is you work really hard to try to follow along that I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm exhausted after a Zoom call. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to like articulate what they're saying or what they're looking at or thinking about. Maybe even it's not something that you have to do, like figure out what they're saying. Maybe it's something like they keep on looking over there. I'm trying to think. Maybe there's maybe there's a mirror. Maybe there's a maybe there's a book that they want to read afterwards. And it's always like I always do that. I like examine what what what's going on in someone's screen, what's going on in someone's world. I don't know if other people do that, but maybe that's a really powerful like um, construct for us to think about today too. Is that in this box that we're all in, right? Well, all we see is this little box and. When we see the visual cueing of somebody looking outside the box, we realize the wider world that's out there. And I think that we do put tech experiences sometimes within a box. We we um, limit students. And when we limit, we, we limit opportunities to see beyond the box. And that's all I did for Liv. What I did for Liv was provide opportunities for her to connect with other incredible humans. And it happened to be on platforms that were social media related. But this isn't a story about social media. It really is about the power of connection. Well, you know, one thing that I'm finding, because I'm doing Zoom with people all over the world, and I'm going into their homes. And when you actually, as a teacher, can actually see the children's homes and meet the families and really connect with them, it opens doors in a different ways. I mean, just seeing that beautiful bedroom of Liv, <laughs> I mean, I just look at that and think, wow, she's got all these- She made her bed. Oh. <laughs> no, I always, what are you talking about? I always make my bed. Oh, goodness me. <laughs> okay, most, 
most of the time. That's not true. Like, I was like, I need to make my bed. That turned out pretty well. That turned out pretty well. You're so cute. But the thing that, you know what I'm loving is that, um, if this is the reason why I love this podcast is I get to know the people, find out a little bit more about them. And um, I guess we probably should talk about Spark Change yeah. and, and why you wrote that book. I heard a little bit about it, but I think if you, you know, tell us from both of your point of view, I just love to learn more about it. Could I go first, Mom? Go I actually have a little bit of, so this is only like one of the very many parts, but for me, it's something that I talk a lot about in school visits and keynote speeches and wherever I go. I always love to share this idea of that a lot of the time when students are given technology, it's really only used to assess. It's only used to do that schoolwork and that's it. It's That's all the technology is for. And one of the things in Spark Change that we talk about a lot is making sure that kids have opportunities to create with their technology, that they have time to explore and look at all the different apps on their school iPad and not just have to look on their Google Classroom app and maybe go exploring and get to do all these different, maybe a new math game, maybe a new science assignment. Instead of making an essay, you can go onto this other website and make it here. And I think it's really important that, especially during this time, it would be an incredible time for kids to really explore and for kids to create with their devices instead of just using it to assess them. Oh, I love that. And one of the things that I love when you say spark change, I love the idea of encouraging curiosity and wonder, yes. you know, and I saw you had that wonderopolis and that one. And I just thought of that when you said that, I bet you your that idea of creativity needs to come from wondering what's out there and having the ability to search on your own. We've you know, as teachers, we were mandated to do so much prescriptive curriculum. I got to be careful what I say. Anyway, <laughs> like, you know, worksheets and stuff like that. And, yeah. and I think that what's happening is they're, they're waving tests and they're saying that grades can, you know, maybe pass fail or something instead of evaluating people for things that really don't matter. And I, I can't, oh. I can't wait to learn more about this. Well, it's exciting in the sense that for our book, you know, we each chapter are very first. So this is a true story. When we were writing the book, Liv wrote first. And she writes the intros, the vignettes that intro. She asks a, a, a question just like she does in her LiveBit videos. So there's a provocation, a question that invites the reader into the chapter. And then Liv wrote... Um, really the introduction, a long introduction in each chapter that then led to me sort of unpacking the bigger ideas or, you know, to apply standards or theories, all that good teacher stuff, right? Um, but Liv was really the, I was really following Liv's lead. And, you know, it's a powerful construct for us to think about, right? As teachers is how often do we follow the child's lead? And um, in our book, Liv wrote first. And so I, because I work and I have three kids and I'll, I didn't get to the, all the writing parts until after, and Liv was finished. She was like, mom, the book is done. Well, the book isn't done because I haven't written my anything yet. Um, and I had to actually sequester myself in a place to like 
get to the point where I was writing. But I was really intimidated, Barbara. This is the truth because I would read Liv's intros and I would have writing doubt. Like, I'm not sure I can measure up to what Liv has put out there. Our very first chapter is so powerful because, um, and it was Liv's idea. It was initially supposed to be the last chapter of the book. And Liv said, Mama, I really think that we should ask our editor, Valerie, um, if she would make the last chapter the first chapter, because it's about digital rights. And she said, I think the book is more powerful if we start off by like saying to the reader, hey, this is a right, instead of ending the book, which is the vision from sort of, you know, all the advice that we have been getting was like, end it with the rights. And now I think about this time that we sit in with COVID and remote learning, and I think about how smart Liv is to have really understood intuitively like a need that I wasn't still, even though I'm doing this work and living and working with teachers day in and day out, I, w- I wasn't as aware. So it's powerful. Our first chapter lays out the case that technology is a digital right, and we follow UNICEF's lead um, because they have a very um, prominent position statement about why it needs to be um, a right. And we are talking a lot about that in the United States now and across the world because of equity issues, right? So I hope when readers read our book, they really will think long and hard, especially through the summer, because we don't know what the the year is going to look like um, next year. I hope we think about this idea of rights along with the equity piece, right? We, We say equity, but I'm not sure people look at it as a right. I, I love this because, um, I know you know Mary Alice and Karen. Of course, yeah. we know. <laughs> <laughs> and digits, digits, it, digits. It. Yeah. yeah, and um, maybe even Jennifer Casatata. I don't know if you know. Of course, yes. we know Jennifer. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> all of them. You know, they talk about the same thing. Is the the and if you look at the UN goals, the SDGs, that all of those things are bringing together what you're talking about. You're, Liv, you're just blowing my mind that you decided <laughs> to put that in chapter one. I mean, that yeah. that's amazing. Go ahead and talk about that. Yeah, Liz. so when I actually was initiating that kind of like, when it first came into my head and I was actually reading through all of my parts and I was thinking like, I want this, exactly what my mom said, is we wanted to put that in the very beginning of the book. So that way throughout the rest of the book, it would be in like, it would be right in the front of their head. I know it doesn't make, I know it's it's just like a, because I can't, a thought can't actually go to the front of your head. Just want to put that now. But <laughs> it's like, so that way the whole time while they're reading the book, they would think, right, because this is a right. I didn't want it to be at the very end. Of course, having something powerful to say at the end is very important. But I thought that saying that having that is a right would be better if it's at the beginning of the book, because I thought that it would tie in to all of the other chapters even better if they already had that as that was one of our big main points. Yeah. And Liv had this wonderful opportunity to work with an author in New York City. And um, and it was from that, it was actually at the very end of the writing process. And Liv said, do you remember when we were with Jess Keating and that little boy wrote, so there, I was in the audience and, Je- and Jess Keating and Liv were on the stage at the 92nd Street Y. They were doing an event together there. The room was filled with New York City kids who came to hear Jess's books and, to came, and came to hear Liv do a conversation with Jess. So she was doing a Q&A. And um, a little boy in the audience was m- holding up his iPad, wildly waving it in the air for Jess to see. And he was, you know, at least 25 rows back. And it said, the best book, the best book. And so I turned to him. He was he was a child who 
had, I'm sure, some specific needs, but one of them was that he needed a device to communicate. And um, I took a picture of his iPad and I promised that I would take it to the author because I told him that Liv was my daughter and that I knew Jess. And he just couldn't believe this, that his message was going to, you know, really make it to the author. And I told Liv that story and in the taxi ride on the way home, and she said, that has to go in the book. That has to go in the book. And she had already created a beginning for the digital rights chapter. And so that's really, and that this is what's so funny is that I don't think any teacher would deny a child who has specific special needs like that, the right to tech, but we deny lots of students who have lots of other types of needs. Like we don't look at it through the same lens. And that's really what Liv was saying, right? Is, is this power that tech creates these opportunities and um, these opportunities to connect. So it was this, you know, just this little taxi ride conversation where I, you know, couldn't get the kid out of my brain and Liv couldn't get the kid out of her brain and it was such a connected moment. So we knew it had to go in the book. That's when you know it has to go in the book when you literally can't get it out of your head. There have been those times yeah. where I thought something should go in the book, but it kind of got lost. And then I was like, maybe that isn't right. The You know you need to put it in the book when you cannot stop thinking about it. And even if you try to put it out of your mind, you would think about it and you remember every single detail. I wish I'd known you. I would have put you in my book. <laughs> <laughs> that just means you have to write I another mean, book. Well, I'll, exactly. I'll tell you what I'm, I am doing now is I'm, re, I'm doing a lot of workshops on redefining your why during this difficult time, because I think people are, there's a lot of things going on. And what happens is that we need to really think about what we can do, what we can do for ourselves, what we can do for others, how we can connect, how, and maybe like you said, find out the things that should be in your book. My my subtitle is Own Your Story So You Can Live and Learn on Purpose. And that is all about owning your story and that child that was in the, you know, with the best book probably never gets a chance to own his story, right? Yeah. And he couldn't shout like the other students could shout, right? Everybody was shouting, but his shout was just with that tech, right? So his shout may have looked or sounded different, but it was still as powerful. And like I said, just like with Peter, it just takes one person, right? To take that spark and to lift it a little bit. And so really that was part of what Liv and I really hoped that we could um, do by using and sharing that story. So now that you, you know, you have this wonderful book and we're definitely going to, you know, we write a blog post and we're going to put all that. We definitely have to put your book up there. Maybe the picture Thank of you. the best book, maybe, <laughs> oh, yes, maybe some other we things share that. and some of the <laughs> videos that I, I, I love your videos. Oh my gosh, you make me cry. I'm sitting here going, who is this angel that you brought in the world? It's like amazing to me. I um, I, I just love it. So your book spark change needs to be in book studies, but it also maybe tying in some videos with it would be wonderful. I think you have a trailer. I know that trailer's up there that I'm going to yeah. put up there. I, Actually, that's a really great idea because did you know we're already writing the second book? No. <laughs> I, I wasn't sure if we right, could tell. So I was like, I, oh. I actually thought about that as soon as we joined the meeting. And I was like, maybe should I tell her? But no, no. And then but I, that's a really great point to have a video bit live, right? Yeah, because I, I mean, really, I do live bits for books. You should do your own book. book. I mean, you're amazing. So, you no, know, I... 
definitely chat, talk about, even if you don't, the book doesn't come out right away and you're going to write another book, get people, you're teasing them with it because people want to know what you're doing, Liv. You're, you're at an age where, you know, people want to talk to the kids. They really want kids' voices, but not every kid feels comfortable doing that. And somehow encouraging kids to get their voice out there, even if they have to just put it in on an iPad. You know what I mean? It just, the voices really matter. And I like um, how earlier you were talking about how you wanted to ask us about why we have the mother-daughter team. And you kind of were just talking a little bit about that. I don't even think you realized it was, it was really because we had the student perspective and then we had the educator perspective. And so we had from the higher point and then we had, from the student point of view. And it wasn't just the point of views, it was the point of thinking. And the different types, it's like totally different mindsets sometimes with the teacher and the student. And I do believe that kids can teach us and that it's not just adults that can teach us. And I think that that was one of the biggest points when my mom and I were writing this book together was that we both had different points of view from each situation and each spark that we wanted to talk about. Yeah. And Liv, I think what the coolest thing is about that is that you're the, you're the student voice in the book, but really you're the leading voice in the book. (laughs) You lead every chapter and right. You lead the, the charge. And I think one of the things, Barbara, that would happen to me a lot. And in fact, a lot of people don't even know that Liv is my kid because we have different last names. So we can be a cognito, but, um, (laughs) but one of the things that happens is that sometimes people would diminish my book my my voice when my part in the book, when they just think about me as a mom or a parent. And I always find that so interesting. It gives me a lot of pause, right? So I always say I'm an educator mom, but honestly, I'm a mom first. Like I want to build an empowered citizen. I want, I want kids to raise kids that are mindful and aware and that um, love humanity and try to make a difference um, in whatever way that means. Each of my children are very, very different people. And so I think it's because I'm a mom that makes my educator voice stronger. And so it's so interesting to me, people's reactions, right? When they hear and see Liv as a little keynote speaker, and then they meet me, there's, there's typically two reactions. It's either like, wow, oh my goodness, how do I raise a kid like this? Or, or it's like, well, I'm not sure I'm ready to do that with my kid. You know, I don't know why you you let her on these platforms, or right? So it's, I, we just want to get to a place where it can be a little bit more, and I think we are, because now we're in this time of remote learning. So everybody's experienced it in the, the tech part of it, or at least some shade of techiness um, with remote learning. And so I think we're going to, we're going to move that needle on the conversation around tech and kids and parents and educators. Well, this time that people have been at home, parents are kind of the ones responsible for the home learning in many cases. And now they're starting to realize how important teachers are. (laughs) Yes. But they also are looking at the power of the relationships that they actually are building with their own kids because they have more time with them. And some are, are even taking time to play more and just have good conversations. Uh, Just sometimes I, 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 you know, this is a terrible thing that happened and it's still happening, but out of every, actually, my husband said this one time I was having a, I was feeling sorry for myself. And he said, you know, this could be a lesson and a blessing, a blessing. He said, ah, Look at every, lesson. isn't that great? I love that. Yeah. yeah. But, but actually that is a quote, not from him or me. I can give you the quote who wrote it, but I don't, I can't remember who it is now. But the idea is that 
if we look at everything and try to find ways we can learn from it and grow, not everyone's going to be like Liv. Liv, you're unique. You are unique. <laughs> but everyone could be the best they can be if they know it. And, and to have one person like Peter or some of the, or the one that wrote, you know, the best book. And if each person gets someone and others that can help support them like you are, Cynthia, it's just. I always say, because we, we look at, I was raised by a single parent. So I'm hyper aware of like kids access to adults that, that make a difference. And my mom works so hard, but it really does only take one person to show an interest in, in a child to help grow um, something special within them. So I, I just never, I, I don't think you need a huge network like lives like, Oh my goodness, I learned from her network for sure. But maybe that maybe some children just need the one, right? Like that's, and you could be the one you could be the person, be the one, be the change. Okay. Liv, yeah. I have to kind of close this, but I really want you to kind of just <laughs> share some of your thoughts right now. Well, I, I think that today during this like little interview, this conversation that we had, I think that we hit a lot of different points than we usually do where in a talk about spark change, I feel that in this time, not only has it just brought the idea of kids can teach us, make sure that we can create with tech. I think that it has brought more onto the idea of how we can connect with students outside of the classroom and how your dreams are bigger than your classroom and that your dreams can be for the world. And I think that that is really powerful in this time where we aren't in our classrooms anymore, where everyone is apart. Everyone is separate, but in a way we're still all together because we still have some normality with things. We have zoom meetings, we have schoolwork. And even though some of us are done with schoolwork like me, I think that it's still important that we still are connected to usual things like school and friends and things that even though we can't physically see them, that we're still communicating with people because I think it can make this time a lot easier when we're still connecting with people digitally. And it's not like we're completely isolating ourselves because even though we're socially, we're physically isolating, we're not socially isolated. That's right. Yeah. And, and that, that's a great point because some of the, I'm busier now than I've ever been because I'm doing so many zoom calls and <laughs> playing and doing family things. And, you know, it's, it's been for me an eye opener that how much the connections mean to me. And still continuing with all the podcasts. And when Liv, when you reached out to me, I could just tell you, I started crying. I said, I wanted a student <laughs> voice. I wanted a student <laughs> voice. And, but yours is just amazing. And I just hope, I'd like more students to see what you do. I really figure this is, um, they need to know that they have a voice too. And they can do it. Barbara, do you know that Liv was like, Mom, I hope you don't mind, but I just, I reached out to Barbara because she's really great. <laughs> I didn't even, I told you, you like, I think two days do you later. Know, do you know who she is? Because if you don't, you should. And so I think I'm just going to book us. Like, Liv is the best. <laughs> she did that. Liv knows. That's what's hilarious about her. I'm like, okay, Liv, thanks. Like <laughs> She did that. And, and then I said, maybe we should involve your mom in this. <laughs> well, I think But that's what's so neat is that Liv just kind of really recognizes positivity online, Um, right? Like she knows what to look for. And so I think that that's a really powerful thing that we can teach all kids is that there are so many people out there who could help you, um, right? You can help grow your work. 
And you were one of the people that she looked at to help us. So thank you for that. Well, this is just the beginning. We're going to be doing more. And oh, 100%. 100, anything I can do <laughs> to help you and get your, you know, it just, and Cynthia, you too. I just, well, thank I'm you. glad to get to know you. I'm really yeah, proud of you. the work you do. And well, we're excited because the next book is going to be for kids. So when you said that, it's going to be like the sister book. Yeah, the, we call it the sister book for Spark Change because it'll be the Spark Change for kids. And it's mostly written by Liv. So kind of, when you said, oh, we should put little videos in there, that'd be really neat. We're, we're working really hard to make it a kid um, sister text for Spark Change because kids asked for it. Yes. Right? We've been doing book signings and they said, Liv, are you going to write just a kid Spark Change? And Liv was like, I should do that. Right? Like, Oh, Liv, this is, I can't wait. This is so cool. Oh, (laughs) so neat. Well, thank you. Oh, thank you both. I just, thank you. Thank you. Liv, this has just been wonderful. Cynthia, you're a dear. I'm just want to, I'm just giving them a very big virtual hug. That's right. Hug. Hug right now. (laughs) My computer right now, I'm like hugging my computer. It's like, what are, what are you doing? Exactly. (laughs) They need to have some way of hugging that you can actually feel it. You know? Yeah. We could give you, we'll give you the digital thumbs up, right? We'll give you a thumbs up. We'll give you a clap. Right. There you go. I love it. This has been Thank wonderful. you so much. What a treat. This is Barbara Bray. Thank you for listening to the Rethinking Learning Podcast and my conversation with Cynthia Merrill and her daughter, Olivia Van Lynchy, who we call Liv. So make sure you check out the blog post that goes with the podcast about Liv and Cynthia on my Rethinking Learning website. And on that, there'll be resources about LiveBits, her website, their book, Spark Change, and so much more. Now, you can subscribe to my website at barbabray.net, and that way you'll receive announcements, updates, and there's even links to my guiding questions about my book, Define Your Why. I hope you subscribe to my podcast because we'll be sharing ideas, stories, in fact, some reflections while we're staying home during this crisis. And now we need each other more than ever. All of our stories matter. Keep sharing your story and please stay healthy and safe.